Stone song. And some might say that that is an essential Rolling Stone song. For this week's program of Dead Air, we are going to be talking about essential Grateful Dead songs. But before we get into those essential songs, we first have to go back to the Rolling Stones. of this project go back probably 30 years and the birth of it I saw a book exhibit that had books displayed like the Rolling Stones 100 best songs and I asked the book Person, the representative, did they have one for the Grateful Dead? He said, No. I said, I'm going to write one. individual songs for a long, long, long time. I was fascinated by the fact that the versions were different over time and what that said about a band, that they weren't doing the same song the same way. And uh, when I saw those other books sitting there on the counter, I thought, man, I can do this. taking this on at this age, but I'm going to try. Now, it really wouldn't matter how old a person is when you tackle a project of this size. So you're definitely going to need help. It's a reference book that gives you a lot of information about... That's co-author Barry Barnes. Actually, more than 100 songs that the Grateful Dead performed in their 30-year career. Well, we really do have a treat for this week's edition of Dead Air, Grateful Dead recordings from 1965 to 1995. Yeah, is this Barry? It is. Hey, how's it going, bud? This is Corey, just calling you up. Yep. Perfect. Hi, Corey. And not just a treat, because it's going to be kind of two treats. So we're going to be talking with the authors of The Grateful Dead's 100 Essential Songs, The Music Never Stops. The authors, Barry Barnes and Bob Trudeau. All right. Let me uh, see if uh, I'll call uh, Bob now, and uh, we'll we'll get him on. And what we did is we actually patched him in to the Dead Air World Headquarters control room, so we were able to talk with both of them at the same time. So they heard what I was saying, and Bob got to hear what Barry was saying. Barry got to hear what Bob was saying. Hi. Hey, this is Bob? It is. Hey, all right. Well, we got Barry on the line. Let's see if uh, you each can hear each other. Hey, Bob. Barry, can you hear me? Did you guys hear that? Yes, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you, Barry. We can hear each other. Wow. Yep. And uh, we had a lot of fun on the phone line. Then I can hear Corey, so. Can Corey tell us apart? Right 
from the get-go, I knew that this was going to be very interesting. Talking about the Grateful Dead's 100 Essential Songs, the music never stops. Also, the personalities of Bob and Barry. It was definitely going to be a good time. I threw a hardball question at them immediately, asking them what gives them the right or the authority to select the 100 Essential Grateful Dead songs. Because we know more than anybody else about the Grateful Dead. Yeah, yeah, right. right. Well, it, it become quickly clear that we do not know necessarily more than anybody Certainly, speaking for myself, I don't know more than anybody else. Quite the, quite no, the no. contrary. Um, nope. I think what gave us the authority is that we had the idea and we did the work and we got it published. I mean, that's the way that's things right. work. That makes us the experts, so clearly. <laughs> Their sense of humor was definitely classic. They were able to play off of each other, and it was clear right off the bat that if we were going to have a book of the 100 Essential Grateful Dead songs, Bob and Barry should definitely be the guys to do this. In the first few pages of the book, they even come out and say, hey, this is our list, and it's not going to be everybody's 100 Essential songs, but it really, when you start looking at the book, it doesn't take away or add anything to the equation. When it comes down to it, it's a really awesome book because it's interactive. So that you can go and listen to multiple versions of songs that we thought were particularly outstanding versions for one reason or another, or some, in some cases, some really miserable renditions, but only a few of those. It's a remarkable reference book for longtime deadheads, and it's also a great introduction for somebody who's kind of getting interested into the Grateful Dead. And that's why they really wrote the book. Now, the hardcores, they already know the songs, but they're going to learn a little bit more about the songs. And as for the people who are unfamiliar with the Grateful Dead, well, it's a great way to get familiarized. I think most of the people who look at this book will agree with all of the 100 songs we should be in that list or, you know, at least the vast majority of them. But some people will not. You know, they're going to say, where's song so-and-so? And that's going to spur a lot of debates and more people talking about Grateful Dead music, and that's good. We're okay with that. And that's a well-educated statement. I mean, what do they say? Bad news is still news. And before we got the boxing gloves off, I wanted to ask them a little bit about their education and what degrees they have. Ph.D. doctors. In in the academic world. Ph.D. doctors, not medical doctors. Yes. And that was basically me just setting them up so I can knock them down just a little bit. Because when you take a look at their book, uh, The Grateful Dead's 100 Essential Songs, The Music Never Stops, and you look at the contents and you count the songs, they don't add up to 100. The bonus tracks, there's 20 more songs there. So then, if you think that, uh, then there should be 120 songs. But that's not the case. Um, So I was curious to see what kind of calculator Bob and Barry were using. It's kind of a long story. Um... In a way, we tried to sneak a couple of extra songs in there so people would get more for their money. And But the publisher wanted it to come out exactly at 100. And so there's kind of a compromise in that table of contents. Uh, but when you say you count 104 or 103, what that means in fact, and we're not going to tell you the answer to this, but what that means, in fact, is that there are three or four songs in the table of contents that are not essential. But those songs have to be there because they're paired up with another song or other songs. Now, it took me a little bit while to think about that and for them to explain it. But when you look at a song like um, 
for instance, Help on the Way, Slipknot, Franklin's Tower, maybe one of those songs isn't essential, or maybe two of those songs aren't essential, but they've kind of got to be a trio of songs. That way they could be matched up, and that's always how Grateful Dead fans always hear those songs. But it's in the table of contents. We ain't no fools. So you really do get more bang for your buck, and but then when you break it down to dollars and cents, now they never go out and say, well, this song is essential, but unfortunately it's matched up to these other songs that aren't as essential or not so essential. They really do uh, stick to the middle road and don't play any favorites. They don't say what's essential and what's not essential. And by sticking to the middle road, they actually take the high road. And what they're doing is when they add the commentary to the songs is they're really kind of just showing a representative sample of each of the songs, maybe the progression of a song. Some of the songs didn't change a lot. I mean, One Tennessee Jed from the beginning is pretty much like One Tennessee Jed from the end. If we were listening or reading about the lyrics, we discovered some things along the way. change a lot. I mean, playing in the band went through all sorts of different kinds of arrangements with other songs sandwiched in and, you know. That was fun for us to discover and figure that not everybody has listened to every single version of every song, even though we wanted to show how things changed over the 30 years, because they did. to show the variety of ways that Dead performed specific songs. And that's what I really love about this book is that, once again, if they don't put the songs in, well, this is the number one song and this song's number two. They put the songs in alphabetically. And then, like they said, sometimes they'll even mention a version where the boys messed up. Someone's just treason. It's a unique song because this lyric was in there. They took one lyric out. They did a lot of work going into this project. I wondered how they kind of drafted a version. And what they told me is, for instance, uh, Barry might write a draft of a song, send it to Bob, and then Bob would make revisions and then send it back to Barry. He'd say, I like it as it is, or what about this? Or I would say, hey, look... You know, I feel a little lacking in this particular area. Could you add something in, in terms of the musical side of things? It just all depended on a particular song. But it was definitely a give and take constantly throughout the writing process. Back and forth. Dennis Paul. Much of the same stuff can be said about the reader. I mean, I found myself many times kind of going back and forth from the book and then going back online to listen to the songs that Bob and Barry recommended really cool. I mean, it adds a whole other factor to literature. It makes it really interactive and a whole new dimension. And I wondered where they came up with this idea. I have to say, Corey, that evolved organically. There there was, at least in my mind, there was never a moment when there were not going to be links there. 
I think our original yeah. conversation with the publisher said yeah. something to the effect of part of the deal is you have to agree to host these yes. links yeah. on, on your website so that the readers can open the book and then open the publisher's webpage, click on the link, and listen to or read the lyrics or whatever it happens to be. Uh, I think that was there from the very beginning. Whether Bob and Barry were going back and forth exchanging drafts or if you're reading the book and you're going back and forth from the book to listening to versions that they recommend, it all kind of blends together. And that's exactly what happened during the writing process that Bob and Barry experienced adding commentary to each song. I know some of the ones that I did for sure, but when I read them, I'm not sure whether I wrote it or not now. I mean, seriously. Yeah, 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 that's right. Now, when it came to adding the commentary to a song, it blended in very easy. When it came to selecting a version of a song to recommend for readers, it was sort of a different process. Bob and Barry, they walk us through and talk about how they selected a particular version of a song for people to click that link and enjoy. And after I'd listened to 15 or 20 versions of it over a number of years, that's how I would do it. And I said, yeah, that's enough. Okay, which ones do I want? Which five, six, seven, eight do I want to recommend here? For what reason? One of the things that made me laugh while we were working on the book was thinking about when men go shopping, the first thing that comes along is adequate. They grab it and they go home. And if women go yeah. shopping, the probability yeah. is they'll spend more time looking at different things before they actually make a purchase. And I had to fight the tendency that I have, you know, to be a stupid shopper and, you know, make myself listen to more versions because I might listen to three or four and said, oh, these are all great. They all do this, blah, blah, blah. But I had to make myself listen to some more. And let me tell you, that's hard when you're dealing with a song that clocks in at 20 minutes or 30 minutes. Uh It's hard to make yourself listen to more of them when you've got a deadline to meet. You can always check us out online. We're on the World Wide Web at deadairradio.org. That is deadairradio.org. We've got some authors on for this week's program of Dead Air. Wrote a book about the 100 essential Grateful Dead songs, but they also want to give a warning that they don't actually go out and number them in order saying that this is the 10th greatest Grateful Dead song and this is the fifth most essential Grateful Dead song. They stay away from that. No, 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 no. We're not going there. We're not going to go there and rank order them. Co-author Bob Trudeau agrees. Can you imagine what would have happened if we said these are the 10 best? Shoot me now. Book burning. The book is still smoking hot, though. you got to pick up a copy of The Grateful Dead's 100 Essential Songs, The Music Never Stops. For this week's program of Dead Air, we are talking with Barry Barnes and Bob Trudeau, the authors of The Grateful Dead's 100 Essential Songs. Now, whenever you see the word essential or most or best, and especially with the number 100 uh, attached to it, a lot of people immediately think, oh, great, and a countdown of the songs that I should agree that are 100 most unique, essential, whatever. But Barry and Bob, they don't do that in their book. Actually, it starts out alphabetically. So it starts with Alabama Getaway, and from there you just go uh, work your way down the alphabet of the Grateful Dead's 100 essential songs. And they're not really even pointing out what is – they don't even say, well, this version of such and such song – 
is the best. What they're saying is, hey, this version is unique because of this. Or, hey, you need to check out this version. Or this is the first time they ever recorded it. Maybe a song is being worked out and then it changes after 15 years uh, into different lyrics. So that's what they get into. And then what's really cool about the book is it's interactive. And we really take that word interactive to the highest degree because you read in the book and it will have links, which is a good idea to get the e-copy of it. You just download it. You get it on Kindle or whatever. And then that way you can just click on a link or copy paste it into a browser and it will take you where you can stream it. And then, of course, there was also uh, official releases. So they'll even say, hey, be sure to check out this official release for this particular version because it really stands out. And that was one of the unique ways that uh, Barry Barnes and Bob Trudeau came together. It's not only do they have different experiences, they also have different views, but they also have kind of a, a different music library or what the music library is made up of. For instance, Barry Barnes, he's more of a taper, so he has all the links to archive.org. On the other hand, Bob Trudeau, he's got a lot of the official releases. Dave's picks, Dick's picks. So it kind of really blends together really well. What it means, both in the microscope and the macroscope, is at the microscopic level, we blended those tendencies in each of the song reviews. So you see hard press to find a song that has only archival recordings or only issued releases. They all have yep. some of both. And yep. Yep. at the at the at a higher level, that means the book is balanced. Those are really tricky waters to navigate when discussing the Grateful Dead's one hundred essential songs to be actually balanced, but uh, Bob and Barry, they did an excellent job. Uh, smoothing it out, and really it kind of goes 50-50, not only with uh, the songs that they select, but also when it comes down to the nitty-gritty of the links. Of There's maybe 550 to 600 links in the book, and probably 500 of those are about music, and I would say probably half of those, or at least 40% of those, have two sources, in effect, two links, one to mm-hmm. one to an official released album and one to something we've picked off the archive. Archive.org is basically the uh, go-to source when it comes to streaming Grateful Dead shows. Uh, the Internet Archive is a nonprofit library of millions of free books, movies, software, music, websites, and a whole lot more. For instance, the uh, audio collection uh, they have Live Music Archive, which is a sub-collection, and that includes uh, more than 170,000 concert recordings from anybody, from independent musicians all the way up to the Grateful Dead, which, by the way, they have over 10,000 concerts that you can stream. So you got those links in the book. You have the official recordings, and then you also have uh, some of the author's touch. A couple of dozen of them have links to tapes that Barry made which aren't even on the archive, I think, for the most part. Which, by the way, brings up another level of awesomeness when it comes to the book. It kind of goes into the science of listening to a Grateful Dead show. There's, of course, the soundboard recordings, which is what the official releases rely on, which is basically just an input from right from the board and then put onto an official release. Tell you how it's gonna be. You're gonna get 
there's the audience recording, which is, yeah, a taper in the uh, audience recording a show. And then Bob and Barry, they also threw in another cool dynamic that Grateful Dead recordings have. We have a lot of Matrix ones that combine soundboard and audience yes, to get yes, more audience into them. We, there was a, a strong emphasis on Matrix recordings uh, taken from the archives so that you get more of a more of that audience feel than a just straight soundboard or from the audience. Which is the best of both worlds. So you're going to get that official release sound from the soundboard, but then you're also going to be able to get that audience vibe which is a huge part when it comes to listening to the Grateful Dead. I heard an interview once with a taper that basically he told a story, you know, people like the soundboard recordings for the quality of the music, but he said, imagine if you go to a show and you tape the show and while the show is going on, you're talking with some kid who's just seeing the dead for the first time. And then a year later, you come back to the same venue and you see the same kid and you hand him an audience tape and he can re-experience the whole scene of, you know, the people yelling, the applause, the lines that draw applause during the songs and relive not only the music, but the atmosphere of the event. And he said that's why he loved doing audience taping. And he also kind of kept focus and steered clear of giving one particular show or several shows a lot of the love. So what they really kind of went back to uh, getting back to the basics is that they focused on the 100 essential Grateful Dead songs, not the 100 essential Grateful Dead shows. I don't think we ever looked to a particular show that, okay, this has, you know, this was a really good China writer, so maybe it's a really good Black Peter. I never did it that way. Every one of these songs, when we wrote them, was a totally independent operation. You know, I wasn't looking at any other song to see what the links were and what the shows were. In the commentary of a song that they have in the book, they don't go overboard. They're not throwing links and uh, recommendations all over the place. They really keep themselves almost reserved, which is honorable. And at the end of reading a review about a particular song and you get in your recommendations, I found myself actually wanting to read more. But uh, Bob and Barry, they had to keep to themselves a little bit. They had to kind of abide by the publisher's word limit, and uh, they didn't want to get out of hand. So it's really nice... A digestible size to get into the Grateful Dead's 100 essential songs. You would think that they would frustrate them a little bit as maybe kind of doing a tug of war about particular songs. And they really didn't get into that. And they established this really cool routine where one of them would write a paragraph about a song or the review, and then they would send it to the other person. And then they would be able to add their critiques or their revisions or whatever, and then they would be able to send it back and then that person got their last little paw print on it, and then boom, it was good, and it was ready to go. So there wasn't back and forth of, well, we need to add this version, or we should take this version out. They were actually really polite together, which is kind of odd for some Grateful Dead fans, because when you uh, talk with the fans in the parking lot, they can go back and forth for uh, hours about what particular version is better than another version or a particular show standout solo and it could just go on and on there probably were songs i'm sure there were songs that had 
you know, fewer suggestions being made. Yes. Um, yes. We didn't argue at all. The closest thing we ever came to arguing was whether or not the 99th and the 100th song. Yes. Yes. You know, should it be this or should it be that? I know. I'll give you two Mickey yep. Mantles for one Ted Williams. Going into a project where there's going to be co-authors, there's going to be some hesitation. Is one guy going to do 90% of the work and the other guy going to do 10% of the work? Or how is that going to even out and are they going to carry their weight? And if they don't carry the weight, how's that confrontation going to happen? And with Barry and Bob, it was smooth sailing. Anybody that's written anything with another co-author knows that if it works, it produces better work. And so those are those are two things that are always there. I actually, in order to entice Barry into this project, I offered to do 90% of the work, but he, in fact, did not take up that part of the offer. <laughs> Bob did do more of the writing than I did. I think he did probably 60%, and I probably did 40%. And the first draft may have been 60-40, but Barry added an awful lot that made it a pretty even split. We added our stories uh, to the, you know, that was, I think that was my idea to do that at the beginning of the book. And so, yeah, I mean, it was an equal job, that's for sure, ultimately. When it came to outside influences, Bob and Barry, they were smart. They uh, didn't get swayed one way or another. And one thing about their story is really cool reading about uh, particular songs is they discuss and they talk about shows that they went to with their wives. And so I was wondering if maybe their wives had an opinion. Yeah, we'd have to share the royalties then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As if there are going to be royalties. <laughs> oh, man. Your wives actually have let you have access to your own bank account? That's, man. That... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some of the time. <laughs> I, I set this account up in uh, Jamaica. Yeah, right. <laughs> Doing a really quick Google search, I noticed that throughout the Grateful Dead's career, they played 317 cover songs and 184 original tunes. And I thought, they've already got 100 knocked out. Why not uh, do the full Monty and write out all the songs the Grateful Dead did? We'll leave that uh, to you, Corey. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should go back to the spouses and discuss that first. <laughs> Now, as we were closing down our conversation, I asked Bob Trudeau and Barry Barnes if they had any closing statements or uh, last words. And what they said was very poetic. And I believe a lot can be said with the reader as they get done uh, reading the book, Grateful Dead's 100 Essential Songs, The Music Never Stops. This book project was like a Grateful Dead show. Thank you. Exactly right. You know, it's all about collaboration. Collaboration, improvising, creating it on the fly. Yep. Lesh's metaphor of multiple fingers on one hand. That's really how it happened. We were modeling the Grateful Dead, honestly. I mean, this is the, they've been the most influential part of my life and, and my behavior, I would say. And uh, it's all about cooperation and collaboration. And, uh, you know, and, and Bob and I just brought that over into the writing of the book.